Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. Neonatal abstinence syndrome is a term for a group of problems a baby experiences when withdrawing from exposure to narcotics. It's estimated that 3 to 50 percent of newborn babies have been exposed to maternal drug use, depending on the population and area of the country. My guest today is Dr. Steve Liao. He's a Washington University neonatologist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Liao. What is neonatal abstinence syndrome? Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to talk about this very important issue uh, that's been gaining a lot of attention. Um, Neonatal abstinence syndrome um, is the occurrence of neonatal withdrawal symptoms as a result of intrauterine exposure to drugs. It can happen with many drugs or medications used by mothers during pregnancy, um, such as caffeine, heroin, painkillers, tobacco, and antidepressant uh, medications. However, when most of the times when people are talking about uh, using the term neonatal abstinence syndrome or NAS, for short, we're usually talking about withdrawal symptoms associated with opioid exposure. And neonatal uh, opioid withdrawal can cause really significant symptoms in the newborn period, such as autonomic instability when they have temperature or breathing control issues, tremors, irritability, poor feeding, loose stool, poor weight gain, um, and there are even reports of seizures in the past, and that's, uh, but that's obviously uh, more rare. Have you been seeing a rising incidence in NAS? Is, is there an epidemic of maternal opioid use during pregnancy? Oh, absolutely. Um, nationally, the rate of uh, NAS more than doubled uh, from 3.6 uh, per 1,000 live births in 2009 to 7.3 per 1,000 births in 2013. At the same time, we're also seeing a five-fold increase of maternal use of narcotics or opioids during pregnancy. And speaking locally, our most recent data from our delivering hospital in the urban setting, our rate can be up to 15 to 20 per thousand births. So this is a real uh, uh, issue for, for us. And speaking of the pres- prescription opioid epidemic, 28% of pregnant mothers fill at least one opioid uh, prescription during pregnancy. And prescriptions for opioid pain medication increased from 76 million in uh, 1991 to 207 million in 2013. This is enough for every adult in the U.S. to have one prescription for opioids. So this is a lot. We can do better. Is there a lack of prescription monitoring program in Missouri? Unfortunately, um, we live in a state uh, that's the only state without a statewide prescription monitoring program. Not for lack of trying, though. Um, I I think the most recent bill that's been put forth uh, for the fourth time in a row um, uh, recently just failed again. Um, I have to say I'm proud of our our own local uh, government, St. Louis County, St. Louis City, um, have actually already passed our own version of prescription um, drug monitoring program. So uh, certainly physicians and pharmacists and clinicians within our local area uh, do have access to a database. Uh, Started actually fairly recently this year. Uh, But then we can definitely um, uh, benefit from having a statewide program to try and study certainly shows from uh, many other states once they uh, implemented a prescription drug monitoring program, the pattern of use decreases, um, the 
the total number of opioid prescriptions, uh, total volume and total exposure all decrease. So it's definitely beneficial, and then we certainly need to put in a lot more effort into passing a similar program here in Missouri. Dr. Liao, what would you tell the obstetrician-gynecologist that's delivering if they have no idea of maternal drug use in the past? What would you like them to know about diagnosis and screening, the identification of infants at risk? That's definitely a very important first step. And I think the uh, traditionally neonatal abstinence syndrome, I mean, we talked about neonatal uh, issue, but this is uh, the problem really uh, starts from even before pregnancy begins. I think our uh, obstetrician colleagues definitely has a very important role in terms of educating the families. It's uh, very unfortunate sometimes that the the, uh, family, when they first heard about the potential of of having their baby going through withdrawal, is at the time when they're actually in the hospital delivering the baby. But I think we we definitely need to do a better job uh, during their prenatal visits or even uh, before the family is thinking about doing family planning. We need to start talking about uh, their prescription drug use, uh, their illicit drug use, and we need to approach it in a very caring, non-judgmental way um, so so we can uh, uh, retain this trusting relationship between the families and physicians. And I'd much rather have the moms continue to come to the obstetricians for prenatal care and uh, versus uh, having them be afraid to seek help uh, during, uh, during their pregnancy because we know for sure that the, the, the family and the babies would benefit from having good prenatal care and a good relationship with obstetricians. What about observation for symptoms in the hospital after birth? What assessment tools do you use? So this is also very important. Uh, we, the pediatricians and also our nurses and the clinical staff um, are trained to, to, be, to be very vigilant um, uh, based on our, the available history, the pregnancy history and maternal uh, medication history and drug use. And if we uh, are able to identify some risk factors uh, during their uh, hospital stay, some, a lot of these babies will have to be observed. Um, in the hospital for potential withdrawal. A lot of times it depends on what type of medication you're using. Um, if you're using a short-acting drug um, or medication, for example, um, if a mother uh, is taking heroin, oftentimes the babies will go through withdrawal within the first 24 hours, and you'll uh, definitely know it right away, usually within the first day. But if a, meth- uh, if a mother comes in uh, on a methadone uh, rehab program, um, and or is taking uh, chronic pain medications for back pain, uh, for example, um, then uh, potentially these uh, symptoms may not come um, until their third or fourth or fifth day of life. So um, we always tried our best to educate the family, uh, letting them know, hopefully even well before they uh, uh, come into the labor and delivery floor, that there's a high possibility because of their uh, drug history that the baby will have to be observed in the hospital uh, for a certain amount of days. And usually our protocol here is, is anywhere between 48 to, 70, uh, to 7 days to uh, make sure that a baby is not going through withdrawal and that we're not running a risk of sending a baby home, um, uh, going through withdrawal at home. And that would definitely cause a lot of safety concerns. It definitely cause a lot of burden uh, for the family to take care of a baby like that at home. 
and we do actually uh, try our best to uh, be able to uh, have the baby room in uh, with the mother if we can. We also try to encourage uh, active bonding and, and positive interaction between uh, the parents and, and uh, the baby uh, during their hospital stay because we know for sure that also makes their symptoms better. Is there optimal treatment for NAS? Has that been established yet? And speak a little bit about pharmacological treatment. What are you doing for the infant? So that is a very good question. People have shown that rooming in, as I mentioned before, uh, potentially could shorten the length of stay for these babies and help lessen the symptoms uh, for for these babies. Um, There are other non-pharmacological treatments available for these babies during their hospital stay, such as having them in a, a, a non-stimulating environment, in a uh, quiet, uh, dimly lit room, um, and, and encouraging breastfeeding um, if, when appropriate, um, and also uh, gentle uh, massages, uh, cluster uh, of care from, from the nursing staff and also from the family, um, and uh, appropriate swaddling for the, for the baby to make them feel comfortable, frequent small amount of feeding, uh, providing breast milk versus uh, high caloric intake, uh, high calorie uh, formula if breast milk uh, is not available. So there are many, many things uh, that we can do to try to make the baby more comfortable uh, during their hospitalization before we think about uh, using a pharmacological treatment. However, unfortunately, sometimes the baby's symptoms are so severe that we, uh, based on a uh, a set of objective scoring system, uh, we may have to start pharmacological treatment. And then uh, for across the country, the most commonly used first line of treatment is morphine. Um, there's uh, a set dose that we give uh, to the baby uh, over regular intervals. And then once we start uh, the, the morphine uh, treatment, we will have to continue to monitor their symptoms, continue to use the Finnegan scoring system. Uh, to objectively evaluate the effectiveness of, effectiveness of the treatment. And then uh, based on these scores and based on clinical uh, decisions, uh, algorithms that standardize in our hospital, uh, we can adjust the dose uh, to help the baby and over time slowly wean them off of the medication as they get better. Now, uh, there are, I, I mentioned a lot of these uh, things that potentially could help. It's also very important to know that I, I truly don't think there is uh, if people are looking for a cookie-cutter way of managing these babies, unfortunately, I think many studies show that there is n- not no such thing as a cookie-cutter um, standardized management that you can just go step-by-step step and um, just line-by-line. Line. I think we uh, the goal is to, to observe the baby, to uh, observe for symptoms, and then the goal is to do everything we can to make them comfortable and then safely withdraw from the drug in their system and then to make sure that these babies will have a a safe environment, is in a good health condition to go home where the families can continue their care at home. Um, So their potential, uh, I think, rather than having a right answer or right approach, I'd rather refer uh, them uh, as these guidelines as potential better practices. Uh, where each uh, the the care should be tailored, uh, but then in a very consistent way.
In summary, doctor, please tell other pediatricians what you would like them to know about recognizing neonatal abstinence syndrome and when to refer to a specialist. This is a problem that's increasing. This is a problem that's causing a lot of money. It's causing a lot of stress for the families, and it is a problem that we we definitely need to to uh, get better at. So, um, for me, the most important thing is education. Education of the families about the potential danger of uh, babies going through withdrawal. This is a potential side effect of any drug that we give to to anybody uh, potentially has side effects, right? So this could be a a potential side effect um, when uh, the mothers are on their painkillers, pain medications during pregnancy. We need to let them know, uh, be aware of the potential side effects. And when we identify mothers, pregnant mothers, with a drug addiction issues, it it doesn't have to be heroin. It can be painkillers that unfortunately they get addicted to. Uh, Simply they don't know and then they just uh, keep taking it and they start uh, going to to their doctors to to ask for more. We need to pay special attention uh, to these cases and then provide a a caring approach, a non-judgmental, non biased approach to help them to help them uh, realize the potential issues and to help them uh, seek help and then direct them to to community resources uh, to um, to to make sure that uh, the babies is safe and, and the mother uh, is, is safe as well so that's number one uh, uh, definitely is education of, of the family and also uh, increase awareness of our uh, healthcare colleagues in the hospital to be vigilant about identifying potential uh, risky uh, babies uh, who may be exposed in utero and to do a good job at uh, screening them uh, to, to make sure that we, we don't let them fall through the crack. And once uh, we uh, identify them in the hospital, to do a very good job at uh, communicating with the families, communicating with the OBs, communicating with the nursing staff that everybody's on the same page, and then we uh, observe them to make sure they have a a very good, um, safe environment to withdraw and a safe environment to go home and for the families to continue their care. As for our local pediatricians, I can't stress uh, enough the importance of their role in the community. Once these babies go home, they will definitely need to be followed. Um, study shows that uh, these babies potentially down the road will have cognitive problems. Study shows that uh, these uh, babies don't do as well in school systems. Um, so they definitely need to have a close follow-up, and if we can provide uh, intervention uh, for them as, as um, uh, we, uh, to the best of our, our ability. So the local pediatricians definitely need to, to be uh, very aware uh, once these babies are going home. So, um, so I think this is, like I said, this is a, uh, a team approach. It's a compassionate approach. Um, and, and I think together uh, we, we can definitely take care of this problem uh, much better. Thank you so much for being with us today. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.